Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is the Talking Tactics Podcast. My name's Daniel. It's the kid, H.H. Halford, trying to live, trying to exist, trying to stay alive, trying to be the best of my I can be. We do the podcast every Tuesday. Remember to follow us on Twitter at Talking Tactics, SoundCloud at Talking Tactics. If you're on Spotify, remember to give us a follow. If you're on iTunes, subscribe. It's free. Leave us a five-star review, and we'll read it on the show. Remember, if you want to help the podcast out monetarily, we do have a Patreon page. $3 uh, a month, you get access to the last two years of Talking Tactics Extra that we've been doing um really insightful i hope conversations and fun things and as the year progresses i hope that we're going to be doing some some extra fun stuff on, on the patreon page so stay tuned for that half hope where can people find you on the internet before we start just google half hope football hot is carl considered a special guest or is this just like stand i don't know at this point but carl's dropped in for a quick second for our first topic he's, so... he, he's an honorary honorary friend of the show <laughs> put me in the same pantheon as uncle paul yeah. All right. So let's let's get to the first subject quickly uh, while we have Carl available. Liverpool just played Southampton at St. Mary's. They lost. They're now level on points with Manchester United, but Manchester United have a game in hand. I'm seeing my timeline that's full of Manchester United fans for whatever reason. Very excited. 21 um, is coming. It's trending. That's, that's <laughs> where we're at right now. 21 and 21. After the match ended, like the final whistle sounded... Ref Hassan Hootl dropped to his knees and seemed to be quite emotional and in tears. And half hope before we started, I was, I was like, why was this guy crying? I was like, well, Carl was in Southampton for a year, wrote a big piece about him for The Athletic. So why not ask him? So Carl, if you could explain to us the significance of this match for Ralph Hassan Hootl and why that would have led to him crying, if you have any beat on that. Yeah, sure. So, uh... I mean, one of the first things to bring up Ralph Hasselhoff is he's nearly always brought up in comparison to Jurgen Klopp. So they did their coaching badges together. Um, obviously, Klopp went to Mainz, then Dortmund, now at Liverpool, whereas Hasselhoff took a different route. Uh, started off at SPV Unterhaken in Bundesliga 3, uh, or what it used to be. Bundesliga 3 got redone. He went to a club called VFR Arlen. Then he went to Ingolstadt. Then he went to RB Leipzig. Left RB Leipzig after taking to second, and he's now at Southampton. So two men did their coaching badges together, had kind of similar upbringings. So Hasan was a, a former striker, was an okay striker, was all about hard work and whatnot. But uh, you know, Cobb was a former player himself. Um, they both took similar routes, but obviously, well, I say obviously, Klopp went to the penthouse a lot quicker and has a lot more accolades, a lot more major trophies. Uh, Hasn't 
at this point in time only has the Bundesliga 2 to his name. And in their four meetings so far, so because of the way they did their coaching badges together and whatnot, by the time Arsenal got to the promised land of the Bundesliga at Ingolstadt and then at Leipzig, I think it was at, his time at Leipzig was just a little bit after Klopp had departed Dortmund. By this time, there was, you know, Ralph was being referred to as the Alpine Klopp or the Klopp of the Alps. And, you know, a sort of a nickname that he didn't mind because he was friends with Jurgen Klopp, but he very often said, please, you know, once you get to know me, don't call me that because I'm my own man. I'd like to be my own man. And though they are proponents of a similar pressing style of football, I'd say it's a bit like the Fast and Furious films with uh, how Vin Diesel's character always defeats Paul's. Uh, and no matter what uh, Arsenal did, he just could not beat Jurgen Klopp. And I think what's happened and what you saw today was Ralph did it. He finally beat the guy he's been compared to at every step of his career, uh, sometimes in an encouraging way, like, oh, you're just like Jurgen Klopp, but not as good. Or, or sometimes in a disparaging way, of you're just like Jurgen Klopp, but you're not as good for these reasons. And he's finally beaten him. It was oh, the fifth attempt. It was the first time he's even got a point against him. Uh, so in the Sky Sports interview he's just done now, he said he, he, you know, it was the first time he ever got a point. He didn't think a, a win was possible until the 92nd minute, which, you know, something I found really just was Liverpool taking short corners in the 92nd minute, which was poor game management. So, yeah, and I think what you've seen there is Ralph Hasenau, this is his second full season now in charge of Southampton. He's finally got a squad to play in the shape he wants, to play in the way he wants. He's got the youth academy prospects playing the way he wants because he's created this document. So now every single youth team at Southampton plays the way he wants them to play. And I think he's finally got the team to look and play the way he wants. And now who he is as a person is coming through a lot more. Uh, and it's no surprise you saw this overwhelming, you know, overwhelming display of emotion. Uh, there was a little bit a couple of weeks ago during that brief spell of time where crowd, well, up to 2,000 crowds, up to 2,000 people were allowed in St. Mary's. Uh, and he cried there as well because he was, again, a bit overwhelmed uh, at the idea of having fans back at football. I think this is what you see when you see any manager that talks about, uh, I, I don't like the word, being used in football but when you see a manager talk about philosophy they in some way like football for the emotional impact and the emotional feedback you can get with people and I think he in particular Ralph is really really proud of what this team has done and where it's going and how they've helped him tick off a great personal achievement for him cool so like just if I can ask you one more question I'll well, answer all your questions until you start talking about Chelsea and I'm out <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what was your experience covering him as a journalist, like week to week? Like, is he an enjoyable person? Is he a bit like hard shell? He's very Austrian. So Austrians have very dry sense of humor. They can be uh, very raised eyebrows. Uh, they can be quite, uh, it can take a while to warm up to. You've got to bear in mind as well, Southampton weren't very good for the first half of the season. First season on the beat. And I'm interviewing this guy week in, week out, and basically going, why is your team not very good? Why is your team not very good? Um, I like my tactics and my X's and O's, and he likes his tactics and X's and O's. And there were some interviews we had where it was just a bit awkward. You know, I, I was still lying as a journalist, and we didn't really get to know each other. There was a certain result against a team that played in blue, uh, and I thought he might be sacked. I remember at the end of that game, uh, Ian, I went, how are you doing? And they went, eh, not great. They played Manchester City on the Tuesday afterwards. And I said, I asked you this on Friday. How are you doing? And goes, I'm getting there. Uh, and then they played Manchester City again on the Saturday. And I said, I noticed you've had a haircut since then. How are you doing? What are you doing in your spare time? He goes, I don't really do much in my spare time. I, I work 8 o'clock till 8 o'clock. 
Uh, and I remember after that interview, another journalist um, said, what are you doing? Talk us and you said he's got a haircut. Carl, go get a hobby instead of watching Ralph so much. I think steadily throughout the season, I wouldn't say we were best mates, but I'd say we built a bit of rapport. He remembered my name. He understood the types of questions I was going to ask. We got to a point, especially during the Zoom interviews. So uh, during the Zoom, because of Zoom and whatnot, rather than just being four or five journalists who would turn up because you lived in a local area, it got open up to everyone who basically wanted to apply with certain accreditations. So it became a thing of four, rather than four journalists with like a tight group, it became like 12. And very often those journalists hadn't watched Southampton in a while. So they asked, how have you got better since the 9-0? Isn't Danning's really, really good? How did this all happen and what happened next? I feel as if there was definitely points in those Zoom project restart games where he got a little bit bored of those questions because you were being asked the same thing every single week. And I always tried to come up with an interesting question for him. Uh, and then it got to a point towards the end of last season where he, where I would come onto the Zoom call and go, right, Carl, you've got an interesting question for me. What have you got? So I think I've been on this podcast before, before they played Everton. And I said to him, are you at all worried that Everton play 4-4-2? Because you've not got a great record against teams that play top top. And he said, really? And I said, yeah, yeah. You know, I said, well, here's this, here's this, here's, here's all the teams that have beaten you that have played 4-4-2 or top top. And he goes, oh, interesting. Wolves didn't play two up top and we nearly beat them. And then I went back, well, actually, they played 3-4-3 three, three, and then you were 2 no up and then they went two up top and then you lost 3-2. And he still went, oh, okay. Everton and Southampton drew that game 1-1. And I remember going back on the press conference after the game and I said, you're much better defending against two up top. What changed? And he said, because you told me I couldn't do it. <laughs> and I think that was... I think that started a really good conversation we started having. We used to, there were two or three more times where I go, you know, I think this is what your team is doing tactically. And he go, no, nah, you're wrong. This is what I'm doing. Which is kind of unusual. It's very rare a manager would outwardly tell you something or every now and again, we bounce. sometimes we just bounce back theories on why they will lose. So I'd say, oh, James Ward-Prowse got a yellow card in the 35th minute. Do you think him being on a booking for so long meant uh, you lost control in the middle park? He'd give me honest answers and he'd also talk to me about influences and whatnot. I don't, he was never going to invite me to the pub or whatnot, but I think we got to a point where we had a, uh, a good rapport, a, a good rapport and, a, and a good professional respect for each other. I very much knew they'd get better this season. I'm very much surprised by how much better they are so quickly. I'm, I'm sure you watched the, the 90 minutes with, with Liverpool. What were your thoughts on Liverpool's performance? Like, I think Henderson was playing center back. Mm. There was like a bunch of weird things that were happening. So what are your what are your views on, on Liverpool in light of what Carl kind of just said? It was funny. I think this is in the in the previous game, Liverpool against New York, Newcastle, because it was pretty much similar. Like against West Brom, they played badly. Against Newcastle, when you're creating chances and good quality chances, the manager's job is pretty much done and it's about, okay, you have to finish. In both of the, these games, Liverpool didn't play badly. They just didn't put away their chances. But you have to look at it through both sides. Quality chances, amazing chances. Southampton defended really, really well. Hassan Hutzel set his team up very well. Like, tactically, the way, the way they were shaped was very well, was very good. Now, of course it's going to be lucky because some of, some of those things, an inch to the left, an inch to the right, a lucky bounce, it bounces here, money puts it away. Like, Mane had amazing opportunities in the second half. A few inches this way, he could have scored. So, as a manager and for Klopp, there is... I don't know what else you can say apart from, bro, guys, we know what, we know how to do this. 
Maybe the only thing that I would say is the three aren't really in sync as much as they have been before. So it feels very ISO-ISO, as opposed to you it just felt like there was much more chemistry between Salah, Firmino, and Mane. But it just seems as if right now, like, Salah's like, I want to have the ball. Let me just get into my Robin bag, hit that shot into the bottom left-hand corner. But now that's not really working. Firmino just isn't really as effective or as influential in the, in the front three. But look, man, Southampton, they, that was an excellent game. Getting the goal early, early damn good goal. And those guys made some amazing, amazing blocks. And I think that in football, because I remember when someone says way back, which is that Khan used to win games for Bayern Munich. And people was like, what? But he doesn't score goals. The saves he, he would make were pretty much effectively winning games for Bayern because he pretty much made match-winning saves. I think like you have to complement the amount of blocks that um, Southampton made. and Because I, th- I think, what's it called? Um, I think it's Ward Prowse was giving man of the match. Basically, that entire de- defense, pretty much, I just thought that they had an amazing, amazing game. And for Liverpool, it just it is what it is, man. The, the reason why football is amazing is like it is such a complicated science, and it isn't one plus one equals two. What can Klopp say to be like, do better? The chances are where we're there. You just have to put them away. And now that's just down to you as a player of, you just have to put that ball in that net. Before we get to Chelsea, there's two more things. Manchester United played Villa. That was so much fun, wasn't it? <laughs> It was a good game. In that sort of, you know, styles make fights and we talk about that and how I don't ever want to watch Manchester United versus Wolves again because that matchup absolutely stinks. <laughs> it's just nil-nil or... It's just gross, <laughs> right? It's just concrete football and not in a nice way. Just ugh, sludge. But this version of Aston Villa versus this version of Manchester United really made a really fun matchup. Um, in some ways, Aston Villa now play like Manchester United would like to play in future. So sort of not just counter-attacking, they've also got a bit of wing play. They've also got some very, very good proper defensive midfielders. I think McGinn and Luis are both really, really good players and allow the platform for Jack Grealish to operate on. And I'm going to say it, and I can't wait for our hopes reaction, but Jack Grealish is basically operating at a near Eden Hazard level now. Uh, yeah, I, I really enjoy that game. It's, it's really fun watching both of those teams. I, I think while I was on this podcast... Near the project restart games, when I went, I'm trying to not watch Aston Villa anymore because I'm just I, I don't understand what I'm supposed, what they're trying to do. Whereas now they're playing really good football, and Dean Smith turned out to be a far better manager than I thought he was. I mean, it could probably still get a little bit better, but he's got that team to play, or got certain members of that team to play at Europa League, if not Champions League qualifier group stage quality levels. Just like Leeds, I'm going to watch Aston Villa games now because they're just fun. Ian Wright speaks very very highly of Aston Villa now. Always wants to watch and play. If you could take 24-year-old him and put on any team in the Premier League right now, he'd play for Aston Villa. Damn. I was going to say over Arsenal, but yeah. <laughs> over Arsenal and over Crystal Palace. Which is that it. makes sense. I have hope. What are your, what are your thoughts on Carl's thoughts on Grealish? I mean, I wouldn't say his peak is that, you know, because I think that's <laughs> no, I would, I wouldn't say peak. different. I wouldn't say peak, but I'd say, he's, I'd say he's as good as Hazard was in Hazard's last season at Chelsea. And I'd say he's as good as Hazard was up until I'd say those first few years at Chelsea as well. I'd say there are at least three versions of Eden Hazard that Jack Grealish is on the same level as now. And let me just double check how long. Hazard spent seven or eight years here. From 2012-13 to 2019. Seven seasons. So there's seven versions of Eden Hazard, Chelsea's Eden Hazard. And I'd say, well, I'd say he's better than at least three of them because at least two seasons Hazard was on strike. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. 
I'd say Grealish right now is at least better than three of them, and I'd say he's on par with. I'd say he's on par with Hazard's last season at Chelsea right now. They are two different players. Play I don't is... think they're too far off now. Yeah. No, 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 no. I mean, this, this just from me just viewing it. I mean, like okay. that's just my like. I just think that the way that they play, Grealish is a bit more central, and I think when he gets the ball, he's looking to try and find that pass. So he's much more of a playmaker. Hazard is much more of an attack-minded wide player. Hazard, I just think he's trying to beat a man, get in an attacking position and try to really create something moving forward. Grealish is a bit more stationary and now looking to now pull strings. But, but for Grealish, no, look, the guy, as I said again, <laughs> Grealish is what Chelsea fans think Mason Mount is. Like, Grealish is an actually, he's actually a good player. And that's the thing about footballers that you can bring all the stats you want and so forth. When I was growing up watching football in the 90s, it only takes like one game to notice that this player has something. Grealish has the moments he just seems like, yeah, you just you know every time the ball is at his feet, you could just see the football IQ and everything churning in his head. And he's just, you just know that he is, he knows exactly what he's trying to do. Like for, for United, man, I still think this is like not real because the story was supposed to go that this dude gets sacked by Christmas. And that's what I was expecting. So I don't understand what's happening. And I just don't understand how these guys are like winning games and I like, gave the you the race. graph, man. I gave. I like that. I like how how hope now uses. When I was watching football in the nineties, that's your version of you know how African uncles go. I used to walk ten miles to go to school. This <laughs> is how hope's both ways. this way, and I used to go in the water hole and do this. This is our version. I used to watch football in the nineties. They had real football players then. <laughs> No, no, but, no, but it's, 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 because I think like it, because a lot of kids now, like so, guys like twenty five under, twenty three under, they rely so much on stats, so they'll just like tweet me like this crazy graph. I say, bro, I left school ages ago, and I don't want to go back. I don't want to see anything to do with numbers in my for the rest of my life. But they just religiously follow that. Whereas that's for someone like Jack Grealish, I don't give a damn. Perfect example. I have a proper Chelsea fan in my Instagram comments. <laughs> DM oh, no. who who has sent me these things about goal contributions, goal things, and how many goal contributions Mason Mans has made. I don't give a crap. You should not clump together goals and assists because assists are very very noisy as a start anyway. Yeah, no, continue, no, no. continue. Yeah, you know, so, 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 so my thing about this is that you just have to watch people <laughs> lose the very basic thing of football. Of where just watch. The, have you have you watched the game? Put the numbers. The numbers just help. Your arguments, they help your research, they help your analysis. But the meat and bones, the nucleus of analysis has to be, I've watched it, I've seen it, and I can now assess it as a football fan by viewing what this player is doing because numbers don't cover everything in a football matches. There's some things that a player can do that can't be quantified. Correct. Um, I'm not over, he said, the meat and bones. I've never heard that before. Oh, what's the, that's, not, that's a common saying. Man. I've, 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 I've heard like the, the meat and potatoes or like that kind of, but I've never heard meat and bones. But hey. Yeah, well, meat and bones. No, no, but look, I said again, United will all, I will only accept that Soakshire and United are in a title race once they lift up their trophy. Until then, I just can't accept them as being in the title I find it quite curious that people are forgetting that these guys they're Europe, they're in the Europa League like the prevalent like it's been I guess enough time where people have forgotten the Champions League but they needed one point and they couldn't get it watching those Champions League games I don't quite trust them that was Carl Carl uh, do you have any last points on uh Manchester United or anything interesting that that you that you're observing at the moment back to work so I've been off since Christmas Eve uh, mm. it's good to be back to work transfer windows open 
mm. and Brexit's happening. So I think what's interesting is uh, I know we don't really talk too much about the bottom half, but Sam Allardyce has already started complaining about Brexit. So that's your first manager. Um, oh, Sam Allardyce, um, a football manager who's spoken in not terrible terms about Nigel Farage, has said that he tried to get um, three players into West Brom and Albion, but Brexit made that more difficult. Uh, anyone listening to this podcast right now, I'd say don't get your hopes up too much about massive amounts of money being used in the January transfer market. Brexit's going to make things really, really difficult. I'd expect what you're more likely to see is a lot of loan deals and a lot of clubs doing what they can to move on players or move on salaries of players they don't really want. Uh, players to watch. Uh, Jack Wilshere hasn't been playing football. Neither has Daniel Sturridge. Um, when do we start beginning a dialogue on Gareth Bale? So that those will be things to watch out for as well. Uh, I'm really, I'm like, man, Sheffield United. It's tough. It's tough. It's really tough out here. It's really tough out here. If you want a, um, if you want a bold prediction for the rest of the season, I don't think for long I'll get relegated. So enjoy that. I'll be back sometime soon. If you see me tweeting late night between now and March, tell me to go write my book because I need to be writing a book. Mm. See ya. Write your book. Thanks, bro. Write the peace, book. Peace. Peace, yeah. peace, peace, blood. Peace, brother. Very interesting. <laughs> well, what's about the rap house and who? Oh, like they got their coaching badges yeah, together, yeah, yeah. and he's he, he could just never beat him. So that's where no, the no, no. Because my initial thing was like, because it was so emotional. I thought that's okay. Like, is this like an anniversary of like a parent's death? Yeah, or that's something? exactly so, what I thought. I thought like, did his father or mother pass away? Like, hmm. is there something that I'm missing? So, so, so it's obviously like a significant day. So the, yeah. the win with that day just. But it was just people, I guess, calling him Austrian Klopp. It's not okay. Put it this way: if that is true, what Carl said, that makes me look at him in a very interesting light now. Just it just makes sense. Okay, you're you're really interesting. So basically, you've taken this thing so much to heart that you just winning a game over him, a league game, to bring that to emotions. That means you are a particular kind of guy and you're a particular kind of manager. You know. So let me do maybe, one... because because obviously you you know the the meme of his that they always use. Which one? You know where he's like celebrating, but then he then sort of like cools down and and, and sort of. You must know. Where he's like he's like celebrating, but then I think he then sort of like stops his celebration like midway and just starts like like does like the gesture of like cooling down and so forth. No, let's oh see my that. god! Oh, do you think this could be a clue on December twenty eighth? So last week today, mm. his wife returned a positive COVID nineteen test. Oh, so maybe that could play a part of it as well. Like it has your, to be. your your wife. Has tested positive. Like I just did a quick research on like his wife and kids, which is. Did, weird. I mean, but have they but played a game since or something? Or add that to what Carl brings forth, and it's a game against Liverpool where he said, "I, I never thought I could beat him. The best I thought I could do was get a point." So then you add like home life plus the kind of professional battle or climb that he's had to have. Like maybe you add those together, and you can get a few tears at full time. Um, one last thing to talk about with Manchester United. Edison Cavani was banned three games and fined one hundred thousand pounds for his use. Yeah, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of bread. Although that's probably like a week's wage for his use of Negrito. Say, Negrito on social media. The- <laughs> Um, 
Uruguay recently the Uruguayan players have come out. I don't know if you have the statement and we can pull that up. Yeah, and yeah, we can yeah, read yeah. it. Yeah. Um, um let me bring that up. But they came out in support and they want his uh his ban and find overturned. Edison Cavani, and I'm reading from I suppose BBC. Mm-hmm. Um, Edison Cavani has never committed any conduct that could be interpreted as racist, said the AFU statement. He merely used a common expression in Latin America to affectionately address a loved one or close friend. The sanction shows the English Football Association's biased, dogmatic, and ethnocentric vision that only allows a subjective interpretation to be made from its particular and excluding conclusion, however flawed it may be. We request to the FA to immediately overturn the sanction imposed on Edison Cavani and reinstate his good name and honor in the world that has been so unfairly tarnished by this reprehensible decision. <laughs> Damn. Uh, in a separate statement, the Uruguayan FA said, we are convinced from our deep knowledge of the person and the analysis of the fact that he is not worthy of the punishment nor the consequent moral damage. The Football Association said it charged Cavani and subsequently punished him following a full and thorough investigation, which also involved a language expert witness. Can you scroll up and tell me what the AFU is, though? So we we have one from the Uruguayan Football Association, but the AFU is the Uruguayan Football Players Association. Yeah. So, yeah, they came out pretty strong. This is just our culture. He didn't mean anything by it. And And my thing is, I can be sympathetic to this is just how you were raised and this is how you live, Mm. but you are in Uruguay. It's that, that's it. Like, this is so simple. Like when, when, when the person shared this to me, I said like, you're in a different country now. That is it. It is what it is. This is what the standards are in this country. And for this country, that isn't acceptable. And they're, they're like, <laughs> they called it dogmatic as if like, okay, England, because it's a person from Uruguay, mm. you have to put away your cultural norms and your cultural acceptabilities and comfortabilities. Put mm. that to the side and give this guy a pass just because he's from where he's from. And I came up, obviously it's a very crude analogy, but if let's say I grew up in a society where it was okay for me to hit women, like that's just how we were mm. raised. You can punch a woman, slap a woman. Anybody can hit anybody. It doesn't matter. And I go to your country, Have Hope, and your society says, no, you can't hit women. Like, that's not a thing. Being my kind of person, being where I was raised, I hit my wife. And then I go to court and be like, well, no, where I'm from, this is okay. Then what the judge is going to be like, maybe I won't send you to jail for X amount of time because there are circumstances in your past that would that I could find mm. that behavior reasonable in your mind. But the laws of where Half Hope lives still apply to you. So you will be punished. I can have sympathy that your culture is kind of weird. I don't Mm. even know why Negrita would be a term of endearment, even for somebody who's not black. It doesn't make sense to me. But but, if if, if that's how y'all live, cool. But don't don't bring it here. Or if you do bring it here, there are going to be consequences based on the norms of where you are. Basically, the the one, if I was Cavani's lawyer... If I was Cavani's lawyer, this would this is his only de- defense. If I didn't know, how can you punish me? Now, if I knew, so if I come to someone's country and say, no, 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 we don't. Now, welcome to our country. Welcome to a country B. In country B, we don't hit women here. And you are told 
has to be every country, by the way. In this country, we just hit women here. But oh, damn it, I hit women in my country. <laughs> Fuck. So when you do hit a woman, you're like, you were told. But now, if I come in here and I was never told you don't hit a woman and I hit a woman, I'm like, bro, if I never knew, how could you punish me? Because see, something that is universal is killing is wrong. So you don't even need to be told. Like, killing someone is wrong, stealing is wrong. That's just a universal F thing. But for, can you just use the, the, if it's not true, but just use the example of hitting a woman. Okay, hitting a woman in my country is fine. So if I don't hit a woman in this country now, I never knew. So if I don't know, should I really be punished? Now, I should be told that, whoa, bro, we don't hit women here. You do it again, you'll be punished. Aha, cool. So Cavani, so the Cavani's only defense is... Ignorance. Yeah, even, no, no, see, like, if I was a lawyer, is like, yeah, ignorance. Like, I had no idea. It's was, even if this is stupid that this is allowed in my country, <laughs> in my country, ever since I was a young pop, this was normalized. So I come and say it here with no clue as to whether it's accepted or not in this country. So... Shouldn't I be warned, told it's wrong? Then, if I have do it again, I'm then punished after now with the prior knowledge. That is really the only defense Cavani has. If you allow Cavani off, in a sense, mm. then the no, next no, no. person who I'm comes with their own no, no, no. thing from Croatia. I'm just playing or... devil's advocate. I'm and, just I, no, devil's I know, advocate. I know, but I'm just saying, I'm just to be. Is there an opposite to the devil's advocate? God's advocate? Does God need an advocate? Why does the <laughs> devil need advocates? I don't understand. But imagine he's there's a devil. A... He, he needs because he's a freaking devil. He needs he needs a guy to because the devil can't do it himself. Because like, oh, bro, I'm not going to listen to some Satan dude. So he needs the advocates who advocates okay. for him. But imagine like in Croatia or Bosnia or does Bosnia still exist? I'm sorry, uh, Croatia or I don't know. It could be anywhere. But imagine if Negrito wasn't the prefix. Imagine if it was like actually like the n-word with the hard r we use that as a term of endearment where i'm from mm. well you let cavani off because it's their cultural thing well this mm. is our cultural thing so what's the difference the judge has to be like no like we got to put our foot down somewhere no no you see basically the best thing to do is the punishments because what this now does puts everybody is, on notice yeah and it's not but it then gets people talking because now what should really come from this is okay Uruguay, what other stuff do you say <laughs> over there right now? Because now people now have a conversation, so now people will now be like, okay, let's Google Uruguay and what are, what are their customs there? You know, so I'm this now puts a spotlight them, there. I'm tempted to like hit the bat line and see if I can bring in like a Uruguayan person like right now, but that's oh. <laughs> <laughs> just like, hey yo, come talk to us about this, but I won't. I will resist the temptation. Mm. Um, but yeah, the Uruguayan statement that the, they're defending their culture. And I, I understand that too. Like, this is this is what we do here. The English shouldn't really be critique. It, it is kind of rich for, like, the English to be going around kind of critiquing how people talk in terms of racial language and this and that. Like, di, di, there's a, I think it's Matthew 6, where Jesus says, you know, worry about the, the plank in your own eye before you come worry about the speck of dust that's in my eye. <laughs> that kind oh, of wow. thing. Damn, that's that, that's it. That's a bar. <laughs> Jesus had bars, man. Right? <laughs> yeah, he had a bars. They had bars. <laughs> yeah, because he, he was a carpenter, so he used kind of like a wood or carpentry analogy. But you know, England have a plank in their eye, and they're worried about the speck of dust in Uruguay's eye. I do find that quite rich, and uh, slightly, not even slightly, like very hypocritical. But 
you kind of you can't let that pass. So, anyway, hundred K though. Whew. And I didn't mean anything bad by it. You gonna take a hundred K out of my pocket? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's deep, man. Find me three games, cool. But a hundred K? See, basically, that just shows, just in a whole otherworldly money brackets people are in in this world, bro. A, a hundred thousand fine. <laughs> and also, like, do you know sometimes basketball guys? Do you know how some of those guys even get fined as well? For like, I think um, Kobe Kobe got fined like a hundred k for using like a bad word on the sideline. You know how like uh, when you're a kid and you get in trouble, and your parents are like, "Look, you you get to choose your punishment." This happened a few times for me. You either get grounded for two weeks, or you take a spanking. Some people are so adverse to pain that they're not taking the spanking, so they'll take the week or two grounding. I was more like, "Give me the spanking so I can go outside with my friends." So, like, let's do the pain. Let's get it over with. If I was Cavani, I'd be like, look, find me four or five games. It doesn't matter to me. But 100K? <laughs> like, that's mm. too much, bro. That's too much. Like, I don't know. I wonder for him, like, which is the grounding and which is the spanking? Like, is are the games more important to him as, like, a 33-year-old footballer who doesn't have many left? Or you taking food out my family's mouth, <laughs> which we'll get back next week, but still. I don't have enough fuel for my Ferrari now, but <laughs> anyway, let's talk briefly about Manchester City and Chelsea. What are your thoughts? Obviously, we do the complicated Chelsea show every Thursday, so if you want our more in-depth thoughts on Chelsea Football Club, go to Half Foot Football Hut. I'm sure there's already a little thing where next week's episode is already <laughs> queued up. So, um... <laughs> for sure. Um, okay, look, um, this was. This might be down. the most, um, one of the most Pep Guardiola games I've ever seen. And you could see it in how he was ecstatic with the players after the final whistle. Like how he went to John Stones and Cancela and were just really ecstatic. And you can know by that from watching All or Nothing, you know, as in like there is a Pep Guardiola way of scoring goals. I think it was I think Dins Kalsi, like what's it called? Double tap R or something, which is the the FIFA move. Yep, triple um, tap. Triple tap. Like, because even today I was even thinking about it. I was like, my God, man, that was a footballing lesson. And the thing about it is that the way that they passed the ball was, I think, was in a more aggressive, progressive way than even peak Tiki Taka. Because my issue with Tiki Taka was almost passing for the sake of passing. But in this game, Chelsea definitely played into the hands that we could even touch on that. The passing, every almost every pass had intent. It was like, okay, two, three passes, keep possession, hit them. Two, three passes, hit possession, through ball, boom. It was like they were just moving. So it was so embarrassing to watch. Like literally like, almost like adults playing kids or professionals playing against amateurs. It was that bad. And it's like, basically, I think in Pep's mind, he was obviously preparing for, oh, fuck. So men behind the ball, we have a false nine. We don't really have a striker. Okay, man, we're just going to have to try and be really inventive now with our passes and everything. But Pep was like, okay, damn, those 10 minutes were a bit crazy, but wait, they're going to keep on pressing us and leave space in behind? Bro, 
just ride this first 10 minutes wave. And if and once you get in our passing back, this game is tailored for the way that we play, specifically with our false nine. Because we will just pass, move, pass, move, pass, move, triangle, 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 triangle. And they just ripped Chelsea to shreds, man. It was bad. It was bad. Like, Ilkay Gunogan, like, there were times in which this, 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 like, there was one thing he did where he had the ball. And I think it was Kansi and Kovacic all went to him. And he just turned, went through them. And now Kansi and Kovacic were just taking completely away from, from the game. So you now have Chelsea's back four who are constantly facing like two, three City guys. And we're like, man, once these guys just pass the ball, we are screwed. We are completely screwed. So it literally was like a, in terms of tactics, like a professional schooling, like an amateur. And here's the thing. Here's the, here's the thing. Score lines can lie. This was a worse beating than the 6-0 on the Sarri. This was a worse beating than Liverpool's 7-2 against Aston Villa. See, Liverpool's 7-2 against Aston Villa, they just lost 7-2. Villa just scored seven goals. They weren't outplayed. Villa played better, they weren't outplayed. City against Chelsea, City was just the, the better team. City didn't totally outplay them. They just scored six goals. This was City completely outplayed Chelsea. Like, it was just like a tactical mismatch where, oh my God, this is, this is a mess, you know? So, you know what I found? I find, well, okay, I can put it this way. Somebody, I don't know who it was, some Chelsea YouTuber person, put out a formation today of what they wanted Chelsea to play like. Mm. And I'll, I'll, I'll bring this back together, so you got to trust me. But um, he wanted four, one, three, two. So he wanted Chilwell, James, Zuma, Silva, Conte, basically the only midfielder in midfield, Hudson Adoy, Pulisic wide, Havertz in the number 10, and Giroud and Werner up top. So basically all the attacking options possible that you could have. And maybe it was Ziyech instead of, um, uh, oh yeah, if you want to do it, you can, but. No, because it just helps my visuals. So he had that, and just bring one of the strikers kind of closer to the number ten area, something like that. Now, in I saw this formation, and it's something that I've been seeing a lot recently, which is let's just let Conte do everything in midfield mm. because we Chelsea can't score goals. We want Giroud because people want a number nine in the team and people want Timo Werner in the team. So how do we do this while also having the rest of the attacking talent that you would want in the team? Well, let's just let Conte do everything. But what this fails to take into account, and I think this is something that we saw against Manchester City, is Pulisic is not the most diligent tracker of runners in that sense. Like, he's not a Willian like, Willian, the reason why Willian played a lot for Chelsea was because managers recognized he'll do his job going forward, but then he'll also run, like, a lot, and he'll get back, and he'll help cover the spaces left by either a midfielder or a defender, or, you know, it just, we won't be outnumbered on that flank. Ziyech, he was coming back from injury, so 
I, I, when, whenever you watch Ajax, one of the most one of the things that stood out to me most about ZS was his ability to press and just his willingness to run. But coming back from an injury, you can even see it on the I think City's third goal when they countered from a, from a corner. He was he was he was one of the furthest people to closest to Chelsea's goal, and by the time they scored the goal, he was the person closest to Mendy. So like he just decided. I'm shattered, I can't run, I'm injured, whatever the case may be, and he wasn't pressing. So maybe you could expect him to help his help his fullback and help the team, essentially. But all of these solutions that I'm seeing people come up with for Chelsea now are just Conte, whether it's one person against five, one person against seven, one person mm. against nine, like Conte versus the whole team, he'll just take care of midfield like he's a magician. And it, it was evident in the City game. They had De Bruyne playing as a false nine, dropping mm. into the space behind Conte. Then you had Gundogan and Foden and all these just different players, Sterling even dropping into pockets of space. It's like, well, who do I pick up if I'm Conte? And this is Manchester City who are making these decisions quickly. Mm. Like well, these no, are no. A, 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 a lot of their play is automated. Or Pep tells Sterling, you stand here, you stand there, the ball's going to come here. You guys can it's, have it's, some it's, freedom with the decisions, but it's happening quick. Yeah, no, no, if but, it's just one dude, how's he? Yeah, it's because it's, it's basically bad. it's basically it's because I was watching ESPN FC this morning, and oh, like boy. you know, hmm? oh, I said, oh boy, <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 because you know Julian Laurent, yeah, yeah, because because he's like the UK reports kind of guy, and um, so he because he said he spoke with. Um, I think I think, I think no I think I think it was Zuma and Silva, oh. and he and they said like bro we we had no idea who to pick up, <laughs> like because there was so much movement from City, and they were just so dynamic so guys were not sticking into position and so forth, they didn't know who to pick up, so they didn't know what kind of defensive plan to happen, because the danger of pressing high against a team that's passed the ball as well as City and are playing a false nine is if you don't get the, the press right, you are screwed. And the press from Chelsea was horrible. Yeah. yeah it's a, it's so, a, like, part. Mount was being played around. Like every, There was nothing good that happened for Chelsea in that game. And I understand what Lampard was doing where, like, we'll, we'll, we'll try to defend for the first however, however long. We're going to have Pulisic, Werner, and Ziyech. Um, and that can be like a counterattacking spear or a trident to where we mm. soak up pressure. We get the ball as quickly as we can to Pulisic or Warner, and hopefully we can use our pace, kind of like how they did last season, where if you remember Pulisic's goal, it's kind of just what happened. Just go run fast, dribble mm. a couple yeah, people, yeah, yeah. and get a goal. I guess after the first 10 minutes, Lampard just decided, you know what? Or maybe not Lampard, but even the players must have just decided, you know what? We're playing pretty good here. Yeah, We don't need to just sit sit back and defend. Let's actually, you know, advance in terms of territory. But when you advance in terms of territory and the lines get separated against a team like City, it's child's play. Pockets of space everywhere. And then again, you just leave one guy. There's one man responsible in the team, really and truly. Like, you can't even put that on Kovacic because I wouldn't say Kovacic is a defensive-minded player. He's Mm. just a pure central midfielder. There's one guy in the team that's like, Kante... You mop here, you mop there, you mop that. Like, how many mops do I need? I have two hands. You want me to mop seven places see, see, at once? Which is why, with the whole country thing, people have to put it into perspective. Yes, he had a, he had a bad game, 100%. And he, he wasn't good. I should put that out there as well. Like, yeah, he, like, he like, wasn't good. Yeah, he had a bad game. But, how, again, I said, how much work do you want Kante to do? The work of three people. Yeah, it's like... 
That because basically the the tactics worked against Kanze. The positioning Both of and so them. forth were just Pep's tactics and Lampard's. Yeah, like it was just a bad mix. But you see, football is about momentum shifts. Hence, mm-hmm. why what I always say is that when you have the momentum for because this happened in like 10, 12 minutes increments, how you have momentum shifts. During that 10 minutes, you have to, you have to score. If you don't score and the momentum now shifts, you have to shift as well. Mm. So it is very unprofessional and immature to be like, like City, we're going to have... Because City knew that, look, just don't concede. This is just Chelsea's 10 minutes. It is what it is. Let's just make sure that we don't concede. As someone who said, we're not going to have our own 10 minutes increment. Well, yeah. that's actually turned to like 70, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's like, once we have that, let's not do So now, once you now know that okay, City now con- controlling its rights now, mm. this now goes to Lampard. And now this is what, um, and this was the argument that Julian Laurent and Marcotti were having. So Marcotti said that, shouldn't players or a leader say, yo guys, get back, get back, get back. Julian Rondes said, no, that is of the manager. Pep constantly is telling guys, yo, yo, this, that, this, that. As the manager, you should be like, whenever there's a little break, guys, get back, get back, get back. Yo, guys, shift back and so forth. The fact that Chelsea were still pressing and going forward and so forth and were getting passed around <laughs> meant that Lampard, because he's inexperienced, was gassed off of those first 10 minutes and said, you know what? I think I can take this guy in the wild, wild west. And Pep was like, oh, really? Bet. Because Pep was like, thank God you are going to do because this plays to my thinking. And you're down three now at halftime. Yeah. Yikes. All right. We can leave. Well, one last thing mm. from England. Like, maybe one minute. Arsenal are alive again. Credit credit to Lampard, I guess, on this one, too. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For, he gave in, them in, life. In, in terms of rebuilding projects, I think he's rebuilt Arsenal better than he's rebuilt Chelsea. One game, He gave them life. He gave them life. I think game. I really believe that that was a turning point for Arsenal. How do you feel about Saka playing for England, man? I, I know uh, we have this conversation about like every time. There are just so many Nigerian talents that eventually they get co-opted. But it's, Okay, so you know that because, again, okay, just a little... Little, little preview, you know, little exclusive for the viewers. Like the next, because, you know, um, Football Hot, I'm doing this kind of like... Interview um, series? No, 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 like editorials. Uh-huh. So I did one for Mari Gotza. And now I'm doing one about Africa and the World Cup. Okay. It is what it is. And it's going to get worse. <laughs> like, of course, Saka, man, my gosh, man, that would be a great player for Nigeria. Landscape has changed. And you're going to now be seeing more and more people from the continents, England, Belgium, France, so forth, you know. So for me, I'm like, before I'll be like, oh my gosh, trade so, blah, 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 blah. Now I'm like, eh, it is, it is what it is. Like, how can I begrudge him if he feels more English, England have aggressively chased him, England have really worked hard to bring him into the fold, and he feels more at home for England. I can't begrudge him. You know, so I, like, I why just, would you want to play for like a setup? I that's... just heard you mention Saka. Who's who's Nigerian? Who should be Nigerian, by the way? So I just yeah, no, I know, I know. Yeah. All right, let's let's take a quick trip to Spain. Um, Atletico Madrid beat Alaves. Madrid and Barca drew one one in the midweek against Elche and Ibar, mm. but they responded with wins. And apparently, somebody wants us to 
talk about Valencia being in the relegation battle. I'll bring it up. What stands out to you on the Iberian Peninsula? Not Portugal, though. Wait, so Iberia, is that Spain or just so in, in, in La Liga? The Iberian Peninsula is Portugal and Spain. Bro, I was crap at the geography. It was one of my worst <laughs> subjects. I don't know what the hell you're on about. Iberian what? <laughs> Damn! Yeah. So half of them has the table pulled up here. <laughs> the Bro, bottom three. The, the bottom three <laughs> are Huesca, Osasuna, and Elche. Getafe are 16th. I thought last season they would do, they did well last season, though. Um, it you know what that sucks though because if they get relegated, then who do we laugh at? Oh yeah, that's, uh, yeah, so that's yeah. about it. Yo, how is um, what's what's the team that you're monitoring in League Two? Where are they? What's their Wait, name? Secunda B, Secunda Division. <laughs> Wait, let me look. It's um. <laughs> Lugo. <laughs> Lugo. <laughs> Where oh, are they man. at? They are 11th. Ah. Ah, no, it's bad. It's bad. Yeah, Valencia, not doing great, man. Um. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, um, you see, for me, my thing is, I don't trust. I generally cannot put money on anyone to win this. No. Real Madrid. I'm putting money on Madrid if you ask me, but. With Real or Atletico? Real Madrid, Real Madrid. See, see, I wouldn't put, see, I wouldn't put money on, on anyone. See, before the season started, I said Barcelona. Yeah. But I thought, you know what, Messi, Messi. But now I'm not seeing what Messi is and just how bad Barcelona <laughs> look. They're not, I don't think they're going to be even in the, in the conversation. Did, did you see the video of Messi? There was like a, it was, I don't know, it was like a, Arabic commentary video of like a messy chance mm. and in the background you could hear me go oh karate Bruce Lee <laughs> like it was like it was inside of the Arabic and you could pull out like karate and Bruce Lee like he, mm. he, he tried to I, I wouldn't even know what to call it just like a, a volley finish that looks kind of like it was Bruce Lee-ish or Bruce Lee inspired but it, it went really really bad so uh, Ronaldo fans were retweeting it obviously but we'll We'll get to him in a second. But, yeah. I just... I can't trust Atletico for any reason. Just because they are who they are. So... I mean... Like, like that, that one loss tells me if when they play again, if it's within two, three points, I know who's going to win. But then again, Atletico have two games in hand and they already have... They're up by two points. So, that means something. When you look at this, you would say Atletico are really the driving seats yeah, and sure. so forth. And look at that. That's one loss that was Atlet- that was um, Real Madrid. Yeah. But, because again, see, because I always said that, okay, when Real beat Atletico, that was symbolic that Real definitely not in the driving seat. But the, I remember I always said this. There was a season where Arsenal beat United twice, but United still won the league. So... Those head-to-heads, it's really dependent on w- what time of the season they are. And they are not really as crucial because this is about 38 games. Well, not see, knockouts. in Spain, the tiebreaker is head-to-head. Yo, yeah. No, 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 no. no so, no, 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 that's no. like an extra point. No, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in terms of um, how important it is with regards to the title race. Mm. A league is about how you do throughout a 38-game season. 
So that one game, uh, you know, because as I said again, like, okay, Atletico lost to Real Madrid, but if Atletico now go on a good winning run and Real continue to, to drop points, Atletico will just win the league. Yeah. So I just don't know who to back because for Atletico, something just tells me I don't trust them. I still imagine don't trust if, them. Imagine if Barcelona don't make the Champions League, y'all. Because look, if Sevilla win their game in hand, Barcelona are sixth. Mm. Would you rather be in Europa League or not at all? <laughs> if you're Barcelona. No, so, no, I mean, do you, do you like, think Coleman has life? Meaning, like, do you think he'll be able to last until the end of the season? No. Like, this whole idea of just like, yo, we'll just bring somebody who played here before. And it'll well, just work. The the Fonts guy, I think he wants to bring Javi in. So, no, you see, you see I... I it's, All it's, these it's, clubs, man. It's 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 stupid. Basically, like, see, I don't understand that because my thing about it. See, Kuman makes sense because he has two. Do you, look at look at number two in the table. It's that team's fault. Yeah. Zidane just decided. I don't know how he did it, but I'm just gonna win three Champions Leagues in a row and win a league. So everybody's thinking, who is our version? So let's bring Javi. Let's bring Pirlo. We'll we'll get to PSG in a second. Mm. Um, just like let's bring in Lampard, Oli. Like, is manager is man is is the position of being a manager disrespected in twenty twenty? Yes. Towards yes. Those, like it is. anybody who was a legend here before, come yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and it'll just click. Like, it is complete disrespect. Complete disrespect. But wait, let me ask you this though. I'm fearful of Barcelona post Messi. In a good way or a bad way? Oh, like, no, 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 bad way. Because ever since I've been watching football, so when I started. They had Romario. They've then had a guy, yeah. Ronaldo. Then it was <laughs> Rivaldo. Then Dino. Then Messi. Then it's supposed to then be, be Messi to Neymar. Yeah. Once Messi leaves, specifically because they're in debt, they can't yeah. really buy anyone. This will be the first time they don't have a player that's considered one of the best players in the world. You know, no offense to Braithwaite. So. <laughs> My that thing was, is that, that was unnecessary. Like, like Barcelona could be in uncharted territory in terms of, yeah, like you could really just fall off the map. If we're not, if we're not in COVID times, if Messi left, Barcelona have the status to attract a big name. Mm-hmm. But because of the because they're in debt, we're in COVID and so forth. Once Messi yeah. leaves. Are they I mean, do you see a scenario that he stays even? I, yeah, of course, I can see a scenario. I don't know how likely it is, but I can see that. Just because, you know how Gerard tried to leave Liverpool like twice? Mm. He just never did. Obviously, they threatened his house. Yeah, he, and, and, they, and they, he they couldn't leave. Because like, yeah. he was, I think it was Ancelotti times with Chelsea. Like Gerard was like, he was, it was signed. He just didn't leave because of pressure from the city maybe that could happen with Messi in a way where it's just like no we can't lose him and I think we saw kind of impressions of that in this in the summer where like the the chairman he had the the president he had to leave because of Messi's assertion that it's time to go for me anyway so the president was then forced out because the star player wasn't a fan of, of what was happening so um I don't know maybe Maybe he can stay, but anyway, I, I, he can be signed on a pre-contract right now, by the way. So 
There you go. Well, yes. they, they, well, no, well, apparently he said that he's not going to sign any contract this month. So Publicly. <laughs> uh, so, speaking of former players coming to manage yes. um, teams, Thomas Tuchel has been sacked from PSG. It was rumored last week, but nothing was official until, I think, two or three days ago. Uh, mm. Mauricio Pochettino, former PSG player, has been hired as uh, PSG manager. Obviously had a bit of success, uh, relative success that is with, with Tottenham. Got them to a Champions League final. They were Premier League contenders are there, they're about. Um, he'll probably win a trophy with PSG, considering the, the kind of levels that, that France exhibit at the moment. They're probably going to win a domestic cup, the league, or whatever it is. But the real question is, do you think sacking Tutu was a good idea? And do you think Poch is the guy to get PSG what they've been what they've been craving, which is which is the Champions League? Sacking Tuchel was 100% the right idea. Pochettino is the wrong man. Wrong hire. Who would you have brought in? David Beckham, Ronaldinho, <laughs> oh, yeah, Zlatan. Yeah. Like I'm just thinking of former legends. That yeah, they former had. players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. George Weah. George Weah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, sorry, I think I'm the president of the of the country. You know. Um, Who else? Ah. I would have brought in um... JJ Okocha. <laughs> well, actually, no, no, because I don't want to see him fail. Um... Uh, it's tough man like I remember we went through like the free agent managers at one point it was like there's like Marcelino and Valverde and hmm. Sari and there's a, there's a bunch of names but nobody who stands out like this is the guy to win you a Champions League Allegri maybe could have worked I for me I really think that Allegri was the guy Allegri was the guy just because of his, he's a more dictatorial, structured kind of person who would no, bring. Uh, you see, my thing about this is that PS, PSG, do you know the saying, having your cake and eat it? Mm-hmm. That is what PSG is. So you want to win the Champions League, but you want to maintain a laissez faire culture where Neymar can do what he wants. That's not how it works. To win a Champions League, you need discipline, you need structure. And you need someone to say, Neymar, this is what you do. This is how, how, how we play. This is what we need to do. And we need to be pro- professional in this in this, in this manner. Mm-hmm. So the issue is with the guys in, in the upper management who don't want to hire someone. Because really, someone like Rafa Benitez, like that, yeah. who you know he is experienced. You know he knows how to win ACL. You know that this guy... Has pedigree, but if he comes in, look look at what happened after Real Madrid. He lost the, the dressing room. And I don't think Benitez will walk well with the kind of the egos, because Rafa is like, no, I have to have full control. See, the issue with Tuchel is Tuchel pretty much said, oh, I will be at the behest of these star players and so forth. Because basically, there's something funny. I was on on Instagram, and I think this kind of Instagram channel shared. Um, this video of Pochettino meeting the PSG players for the first time. So obviously you saw him and um, Di Mario share a few words because they are Argentine. Yeah. And then, then um, the video then cuts off just after he shook the hand of Neymar. Any new manager that comes in is going to be about, Kiss okay, what is you and Neymar? Like, the first thing that Tuchel said was, that, yeah, I, me and Neymar have a great relationship. You know? So, you see... 
when you are managing like a team like Real Madrid or, or PSG, it's not about tactics. Man management. There we go. Because like a team that is inferior, you need to really do tactics because it's like, how can we really get the very best out of average, okay, break roadman players? When you have players who have amazing... Roadmen are going to come see you one day, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let them come, man. Let them come. So when you just have true quality, high-tier players and so forth, it's about can you get the very best out of these individuals? Rafa Benitez says he couldn't, so they fell out with him. Zidane, he got their respect because it's Zidane, and Zidane's yeah. greatest strength is his man management. Or his you know. name. Man. <laughs> Zidane's greatest strength is his name. Like, I am, you know, like, my name is my name. Like, yeah. that's his greatest oh, yeah, what's, 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 what's it? Is that yeah, Marlo? Yeah, Marlo. <laughs> like, my name is my name. That's Zidane's greatest strength. You know, one day, well, we're going to have to give Zidane his flowers for those three seals. People still won't. People still Do you know people... what? In the moment, it was so confusing that you couldn't rationalize it. But the longer we get away from it, I think it'll be easier to rationalize. So no, 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 I, no, no. Because even people like just even by that comment you just said is oh, his greatest strength is his name. So it's like yeah, he just yeah. sort of. It's 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 not like he fluked it, but with, you can't divorce the idea of like Zidane being Zidane. You, you don't win three sales by just. Um, doing vibes FC man. And just my name is my name. You, you, that is impossible. One CL maybe three. No, it's the combination of the squad talent, Zidane being who he is, and being able to manage a squad with that much talent and not having it nah, break down. Man. Again, do you know what you're doing? You're doing what you said people shouldn't be doing, which is you're now um, disrespecting the difficulty of management. Doesn't matter how good our Real Madrid team was. Yes, it, it was it a needed, perfect summer. Uh, it needed an elite man manager. Like, Carlo lasted however long he lasted. Mm. He won La, La Decima. They brought in Benitez. Benitez was a failure. And they brought in a guy who could just... You had to do what he said. Now, we can debate how effective what he was saying to do works. And I think maybe that's where people don't give him credit. Mm. But... It's Zidane <laughs> at Madrid. If you if you put Zidane in, I don't know. You always say Scunthorpe. Put him in Scunthorpe. <laughs> what do you think Zidane's doing at Scunthorpe? Yeah, yeah, relegation. I don't know how good it is, but and maybe he he would shock me. But it's yeah. I the the, the same way. It's kind of tough for Chelsea fans to divorce it from Frank Lampard or Juve to divorce it from Pirlo or whatever the case may be. You can't like Zidane deserves credit on the managerial tip. Yes, but. I think it's maybe like 70-30, that the 70% is just who he is, and the 30% is the managerial side. But anyway, we can we can stop in Italy. I'm just going to list off these results, and you tell me what stands out to you. All right? Milan beat Benevento 2-0. Inter beat uh, Catrone 6-2. Lukaku passed Ronaldo, so we, we, we can talk yeah. about, or surpassed a Ronaldo stat. We can R9, by the way, guys. Um, Jackson, I know that, say that. Just say I know that pisses you off, so I just I know, it, I it, it does it. piss me off. <laughs> uh, Napoli one four one against Cagliari. 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 I can't pronounce that one to save my life. Like the <laughs> the second syllable messes up my tongue. Yeah. Cagliari, I guess. And Juventus beat Udinese four one. So. Oh, and also that was significant. How so? Seven fifty eight. 
so you know someone asked us a question um super saiyan black emoji he said thoughts on pele editing his goal tally <laughs> we'll get there we'll get okay, there okay. um so yeah i guess the of those four games by the way Milan won that game with a player less hmm. um inter 6-2 lukaku has 50 goals in 70 games or something like that which is the fastest ever um beating ronaldo phenomenal um how does that make you feel old weird strange <sighs> unhappy or me, or or because it's Lukaku, all right. <laughs> oh no no, I mean look, one hundred percent like Lukaku, black, very pro black and so forth. So it's a great achievement and so forth. It doesn't make him better than Ronaldo, does it? No, because again, when you don't see Ronaldo at Inter Milan, it was much more about the way the guy played the game at Inter. But man, let's give Lukaku some credit, man. We called him teams. We called him trash. He was insulted. Don't say Sometimes we. it was I. I called him Tim's. That's what you should okay, be saying. All right, okay. Yeah, I yeah. called him Tim's. Okay. Yes. And racial things were sort of um, attached to him and so Fam, forth. Sam, do you remember that one woman? What is her name, bro? Mina Raj or whatever. I don't. Name. The whole Morata. I'd always take the more intelligent player. Like. Do you know? Do you know? Ever since she said that, like, because, you know, she sometimes has a segment on ESPN. So every time I just see her. I just turned the channel. I, like, I have never... From that day, I have never looked at anything this, that This same Lukaku who speaks eight languages. He speaks languages of countries he's never mm. played in. Eight. You know what they always say about people who are left-footed? They're just... It, they're a always a bit more tactical. Yeah. Yeah, they're always a bit more, 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 more technical. No, basically, I'm so happy for Lukaku because he has proven so many people wrong. More especially that woman who... Because now... Look where Morata is. Look where <laughs> Lukaku is. They're in the same league, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, but Morata right now is yeah he and they're like Christian is, is pretty much still getting all the goals, but um, Lukaku, bro. That comment pissed me off. But and it's a weird space because I don't think she's the only one who thinks that. So it's not like oh, because I see a lot of people going in on the gender side. Oh of that. yeah, like yeah, oh, yeah, stupid yeah. women don't know mm-hmm, anything mm-hmm. about football. There's men that have said that exact oh, yeah. same thing. They just don't have the platform of ESPN necessarily. Mm. So it's not about her or her gender or her capability of being a football analyst. It's just that particular thought. It couldn't be more steeped in just racial bias and yeah. racism, even if she wasn't thinking it. That's where that comes from in her brain. So mm. yeah, no, no, that. No. That annoyed no, me so much. But but that is why what he's doing at Insa is so great because you're not seeing I know this guy is actually a damn good striker. Because comments like that make made me more happy when Marata missed <laughs> like all the chances. I was like, oh, more intelligent? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he, he can't handle a 1v1. <laughs> but yeah. Lukaku's less intelligent. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. No, 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 no. But what Lukaku's doing at Insa right now is just proving so many people that know this guy. He was always good. United just was just a very was just a bad fit, and he still scored though. It was just a bad fit, hmm. but and sometimes for many players they just need the right system, the right coach, and then they can flourish, man. So yeah, yeah. Conte, man. The guy, the guy, the guys are weirdo, man. <laughs> Have you seen the clip of he's like shouting at Arturo Vidal and he's like, bro, stop. He said something about like, stop um, busting his balls or something. Oh, in sure, yeah. He's just shouting at him like, 
the guy he's a lunatic man yeah he's you know he, he, he's a weird and i, I mean weird. that in like it's kind of a positive way like uh, he cares so much yeah. he's like he's the ultimate like i don't know I, i'd call them like a playstation manager where <laughs> if he had a controller in his hand on the sideline to where he could control everybody and everything mm. that's exactly what he would do like he wants to be a player still so oh, he's yeah, like yeah, shouting yeah, yeah. and just controlling and barking like there's no calm moment like Managers like Mourinho or Ferguson were just kind of are kind of happy to just sit on the bench and we'll just watch. There's nothing much I can really do. But Conte, he's like, ah, da, 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 ah, da, da, ah, and everything is automated, so you know exactly what he's gonna do. The ball's gonna go to the left wing back, and he's just gonna punt it without even looking where the center forward is. But it, it's I don't need you to shout to tell me to do that, bro. Anyway, um, questions. Let's do some questions. Questions. Thoughts on Pele editing his goal tally from Black Emoji? Gangster. Did he edit it himself or did Santos do it? Santos, obviously. Come on, come on. Well, you're thinking Pele right now, but like, hmm, yeah, let me I, go do on you think, Do you think Pele knows how to edit a Wikipedia page? Nope. <laughs> He's 80 years old. Like, that no, guy breaks. It's people making Pele into what they want him to be. So, him having the all time goals tally is good for Santos, apparently. So. That's that's what they're up to. This is from the Gowan six nine or Gawain. Am I saying Gowan? Gawain, whichever. Um, like Sir Gowan in the Green Knight, perhaps. Off the top, name six Premier League strikers, three past, three present, whose careers could be defined as bang average. Andy Carroll. <laughs> that was the first one in my head. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, Andy Carroll feels like an average Premier League striker. You know what? He might be a slightly above average. Yeah, I mean, Chris Sutton. <laughs> That's below average. <laughs> um, Except maybe the the Blackburn is, is, is days. Kevin Kevin Phillips had an amazing Kevin season. Kevin Phillips was actually pretty good. But then he then the... dropped off. He had like one amazing thirty goal season. Then he then dropped off. Quinn now now Quinn same team as Kevin Phillips as well. Who? Okay, I'm thinking like Nikola Yelovich. I'm thinking like. Is is Benteke average or just trash? I I, I can't comment on Benteke because it makes me sad. But yeah, he's probably he's probably average. Um. So yeah, the ones that come to mind were Andy Carroll, Yelovich, Chris and Sutton. I didn't I didn't think of Chris Sutton. I'm trying to think like who's just a random Pavlyuchenko. Do you remember Roman Pavlyuchenko? Pa- Pavlyuchenko was alright. Right. He was average, bro. For for me, oh P- P- Peter Crouch for sure, average <laughs> Peter Crouch. <laughs> Average <laughs> Are you guys noticing a pattern? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Next question. Um what's up with Jurgen? He can't score a goal without crosses, and why is he complaining about injuries when his team was already stacked with injury prone Deadwood players like Gomez, Matip Shakiri, Keita Origi. That's from Footy Troll. Um, oh, and also to add to that, man, which goes to that question. I just looked at this now on um Sure, I mean, so let me bring it up. It's a quote from Klopp what where he say? says, Man United had more penalties in two years than me in five and a half years, but no excuses for tonight. <laughs> That's an excuse. Yeah, no, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, you ugly, but I wouldn't say you ugly. <laughs> like, what? Like, you just call me ugly, man. Um, what's up with Jorgen? He's, he's just mass sensitive. In like a positive way, I guess you can't be who he is without that kind of 
chip on your shoulder. Just the way that he talked to that reporter a few months ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Last month, whenever it was. You can tell, like, he's just on edge because he really wants validation because people question how they got it and all this kind of stuff. Um, But I'm like, bro, you've won a Premier League. You're a European champion now. Like, you can relax if you want. Like, no, no, no. But do do you know what I think it is? He, the Liverpool thing, City and so forth has gotten to him. Mm. He really wants to defend this title. It's the cons- it's Liverpool yeah. have so many like the conspiracy against us and the world's against. It's like a, yeah. the ultimate us against the world. City. Oh, yeah, hundred percent. So 100%. if he if once you're in it for a little bit too long, everything kind of just boils over, I suppose. Um, from Jacks three six five. Over the next two years, we will have a Euros, Asia Cup, Copa America, Afcon, and a World Cup. Can you rank them from the most to the least anticipated tournament in your opinion? Also, Manchester United, talk about them. We already talked about United. Um, so, we have Euros, basically all the Continental Cups and the World Cup. So, so which, okay, okay, which okay, do we... In terms of what? In terms of entertainment or football quality? Most anticipated tournament in your opinion. So, oh, which okay. one are you looking forward to the most? So, obviously, oh, the World be... Cup is number one. Yeah, World Cup. Then, then the... AFCON for me. But you might say Euros, but um, I love Afcon. So you see, see, my thing is that see, those are two different questions. Most anticipated and just what I look forward to are different things. Dang. I always look forward to the Afcon, <laughs> but I'm anticipating these Euros. No, be- because of the formats of it's around Europe and just where all the teams are at right now. So I think that this could be a very interesting Euros. Low-key, I might be anticipating AFCOM more than I anticipate the World Cup. But why Because Uganda are probably going to be in it. Oh. So that's like my one rooting interest. The World Cup, we're never going to make a World Cup, so I'm never going to watch it with like that Mm. tension. You, Nigeria is always in the World Cup, you know. UK or United States, they tend to make the World Cup. Like, my country's never going to make a World Cup until it expands to 50, 70, 100 (laughs) countries. This is, I mean, basically, if you put the World Cup to one side, like the tournament that I all that I enjoy the most is Afcon because we just got good, like in the last like yeah. five, ten, six years or whatever it is. So, wait, weren't Uganda in Nigeria's group, or was that? I swear they were in Nigeria's group. At I don't one think point. so. Oh no, sorry, that was Ghana because because I, I remember watching the game in a Ghanaian restaurant, Ghana against Uganda. Yeah, we had Ghana, Egypt, and. Is that Mali, maybe? Wait, wait, what's the the country's keeper who does that celebration where he basically hops up and down on on his ass, <laughs> and he has like one dread? Like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I don't you know see, the country. See, Afcon. That is the tournament of the of. I don't know why keepers. I feel like Botswana is where that guy's from, but I, I don't know. It could be anywhere. No, 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 because basically, one of Afcon is when you look at the goal goalkeepers. They, they first of all. <laughs> The play acting they do is hilarious, and when they make saves, I remember this guy. He made a save, and this guy would just he would roll like run like five six. I say, bro, just catch the ball. Do, do, just you know, catch you the know ball. What does it for me? Like they'll go down and then they lift the hand up with the glove on it, <laughs> and they want attention from the trainers. That shit kills me. They'll they'll be holding their back with one hand, and then like their arm will be up for medical attention. It's just like bro, they just kick the ball. They, they when they get up, they're basically like fake crying, and they've got like bits of grass on their face. At <laughs> um, so okay, 
let's if I could do the list, my most anticipated tournament. If I'm being 100% honest, mm. Afcon, World Cup, Euros, Copa America, and then the Asian Cup is last unfortunately. Mm. But I don't have any skin in the game there. So I'm sure if you're in Australia it would be one thing if you're in if you're in Europe, it'd be one thing. Um, South America, obviously, you want to watch a Copa. North America, I don't. What did, what does North America have a cup? The Gold Cup? Yeah, Gold Cup. Which which Mexico always wins. So, <laughs> so yeah, that's 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 my list. Um, how do you guys feel about Chelsea being top of the expected points table? Is the team letting Lampard down? Um, you know what? We might save that question for the complicated Chelsea show because mm. that mm. might be a good one to kick off. So yeah, yeah. To be answered on Thursday, and uh, Damian Perez, we talked slightly about Valencia being in a relegation battle, but it doesn't look good if you're around Huesca and the rest of the guys that uh, that we laugh at every week. So, um, all right, one one announcement um, on our YouTube page. Type in Talking Tactics on YouTube, and on January thirteenth, we're going to be doing the How Good Was He Really show. And the first episode is going to be about Pele. So Half Hope and I are currently doing some research, I hope, on mm. uh, Pele, his goal scoring, uh, the era that he was playing in. And we're just going to have a hour-long conversation probably about uh, the greatness or lack thereof, depending on, on, on how we conclude. I think we know where it's going to go, though. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, about, about Pele. So uh, stay tuned for that. So we thank Carl for... Blessing us with some knowledge about Rav Hassanhudo at the beginning Belita, of the show. Belita. You can follow him at Anchorman616. I'm at Danny to look. Half Hope, where can people find you? Halfhopefootballhot.com. Together, we're at Talking Tactics. Remember to follow us on Twitter at Talking Tactics, Instagram Talking Tactics. If you're on SoundCloud, follow, hit the hearts. If you're on Spotify, give us a follow. If you're on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, subscribe. It's free. Leave us a five star review and we'll read it on the show. And last but not least, check us out on Patreon. And you get access again to all the back catalog of extras and football manager and FIFA stuff and just everything that we've put out. So I encourage you guys to check that out. Talking Texas podcast, sometimes funny, sometimes serious. Always football. We'll see you guys next week. Peace. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.